Hello and welcome to another scintillating and smart conversation about independent music in Impala's 20 Minutes with. I am your host, Juliana Carantin, and today we're delighted to be chatting to Jeremy Sirota, CEO of Merlin, the global digital licensing agency for the independent music community. Founded in 2007, Merlin is a member-led music-focused organization which provides digital music licensing for independent music creators and rights owners internationally. Members benefit from Merlin negotiated premium deals with key digital music and media platforms like Apple, Facebook, Spotify, TikTok, and YouTube. And those are just the global platforms. Deals have been sealed with Boomplay for the African continent, as well as NetEase and Tencent in China. Basically, whenever independent music is played on any of these platforms, Merlin makes sure the rights owners get paid. And no one could be more qualified to lead the charge for such a mammoth task than Jeremy, who has extensive experience in both big tech and big music. He was an executive at Facebook Music and Warner Music Group before joining Merlin in 2020. His current role as CEO at Merlin reflects his huge appetite for music and technology. For this, he has been recognized by Billboard four times on the Power List in 2022, International Power Player List in 2021, and as an indie power player in 2020 and 2021. Since starting at Merlin, he has delivered keynotes and presentations at multiple festivals and conferences, including the late and much-missed medium, as well as at Impala's annual general meetings. Hello, Jeremy. Absolutely wonderful having you here as our guest today. Hi, Juliana. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me today. Brilliant. Let's begin with an overview of your impressive career. Prior to Merlin, you worked as a lawyer, then as an executive in big corporations. And I read that you were also a 90s coder kid and a 2000s flash designer. Well, let's find out what brought you to your current position at Merlin. And could you tell us how your previous roles allow you to navigate the music industry from different perspectives? Thanks for digging into my past. We all come from somewhere. Uh, My story is a bit of a tale of two worlds. I've always worn these two hats. I have this incredible love of music that comes from my parents, uh, who were huge fans. They used to go to festivals throughout their life and really encouraged me to embrace my creative side, which developed this incredible respect for artists. And then that was combined with this deep interest in technology. My mom's an artist, my dad's an engineer, and he imbued this love of technology. You know, we used to take apart and put computers back together again. And that just became an increasing role throughout my childhood and now throughout my life. And so I started out, in fact, in the design world, but then made my path to law school. I was originally a tech lawyer. As you mentioned, I worked uh, at a record company at Warner Music. I spent time at Facebook and now feel still two plus years into this role, incredibly humbled to be CEO of Merlin. But what 
has been most important to me is the fact that at a personal level, I've been able to bring all these different facets of my life together into one place. Music, creatives, technology, independence, innovation, and all the time surrounded by this incredible field of entrepreneurial-minded individuals who really inspire me uh, in my job. By the way, what is a coder kid and a flash designer? A coder kid is someone whose dad encouraged him to sign up for uh, programming magazines. So this was in 1990. I started receiving magazines to do some basic coding. I was the kid who then went on to join the computer club. Uh, I started going to community college and high school uh, to take programming classes with a good friend of mine who actually, in fact, is now part of music uh, as well. Uh, and now started an NFT company. So it's very interesting to see folks who sort of had their origins in technology and where they are today. And then Flash Design, for those who may not know what it is, was a Adobe product that was, in a nutshell, a more enhanced version of an animated GIF. And prior to law school, I was, in fact, a brand designer at a tech company working in, in that field. What a fascinating resume. Let's talk a bit more about Merlin now. Back in 2007, Impala helped create key international structures for the sector, including Merlin. I remember covering its launch for Billboard magazine and what a big deal it was, because everyone forgets the extent to which independents were marginalized by the then emerging tech platforms. Today, Merlin has offices in London, New York, North Carolina, the Netherlands, and Tokyo. It has deals with nearly 40 digital services, which hundreds of members can benefit from in both monetary and marketing terms. Meanwhile, Jeremy, you joined Merlin in January 2020, only a few months before the pandemic started. Could you explain how Merlin was created and how you managed to take on this position in such an unprecedented context, like a pandemic? Great question. Why don't we start with the origins of Merlin? Absolutely. So the snapshot version of this is in the 2000s, as the digital evolution was just getting started, there was a challenge for independence. The quote-unquote digital music services were prioritizing their music licensing efforts on the major record companies at the time. At that time, Universal, Sony, Warner and EMI. And there are a number of reasons, partly that independents are spread out around the world. There's hundreds and thousands of independents. And so it can also be challenging to license them as well. But independents needed to confront this new digital reality and create space for their artists and their vision of how they were going to play a role in this space. And in 2007, at Midem, Merlin was unveiled as this uh, sweeping vision of how to address what was increasingly a digital imbalance. And Merlin's mission, which is still the same 15 years later, was to negotiate these premium licensing deals with digital services to leverage and take this collective approach to achieve these terms. Uh, And in fact, Impala played a key role in helping bring Merlin to life and to help it form and succeed in the early years. So you fast forward to January 2020 when I started at Merlin, and it was about 60 days into the role. 
that, you know, like many companies around the world, we were starting to shut down our offices. And at the time, so many of us thought this was going to be a temporary measure. And you fast forward, it's been two years later. And the couple of things that I would say I've learned is number one is the Merlin team's an incredibly resilient team. We've had almost 20 people start since uh, we've been working from home. And everyone's really stepped up to support their colleagues. You know, one of our company values is to build a culture of shared ownership so that we all feel not just imbued with the mission of Merlin but with our colleagues and what they're going through. And at the same time, we've had this incredible support from our members, from our board. You know, it's not just me as a leader of a company, it's everyone around us that's helped and stepped in to support us through this uh, time. But was there any personal challenges for you? There's never been a pandemic in our generations. How did you feel? Did you ever go through any point where you thought, God, this is going to be more difficult than I thought, or the support genuinely just saw you through from the get-go? You know, my career has been one of what I call high stress, high stakes, high anxiety. I worked at a big law firm, uh, you know, 10 years at a big record company, two years at a big tech company at Facebook, and each of those prepared me for what I call just constant change. The one constant life is there's always change. The pandemic, while incredibly disruptive, incredibly painful for many people, you know, I've, like yourself, you, I know many people who've suffered through it and had heartache, but just at a personal level, my career has really prepared me for the unexpected. And it's, it's one of the truisms that I try to talk to the team a lot about is expect the unexpected. Whatever you thought was going to be your journey that week, that month, that year, what you need to do is not prepare for what you think is coming, but prepare for what could come. That really helped me to work through this period. And, you know, I kept coming back to the team needed me, the company needed me, and our members needed me. And I had to be strong for them because what we do for them and their artists is so incredibly important. That is pretty awesome. Our podcast aims to reach all kinds of music aficionados, and I'm pretty sure. Some will be interested in knowing more about Merlin's services. So, Jeremy, explain what kind of benefits Merlin provides. Let's say that I'm an independent record company. I want to join the organization. What exactly would this mean? Merlin has members from all around the world. Since I've started, we've added members, uh, direct members from 11 different countries, from Ghana to United Arab Emirates to Lebanon to Turkey. And that represents independent labels, independent distributors, uh, and all other types of rights holders. And Merlin, for those who meet our unique qualifiers, we provide the ability to get access to premium deals. And that includes the likes of Apple, Meta, Spotify, TikTok, YouTube, Snap, and dozens more. What you then can do is decide what deals you want to take advantage of. You have this incredible access to these deals. You have flexibility to choose which deals you participate in. And then you also have transparency into the deal terms before you decide whether you want to opt in. And what we provide is the forefront of music licensing. This is why Merlin was the first to sign a deal with Snap. This is why YouTube wanted to partner with us from the very get-go on YouTube Shorts. This is why we are one of the first to sign a deal 
with Twitch on behalf of our members. And so our members have access to all those deals. And then they also have access to all the other benefits that we provide in terms of education, webinars, marketing services, or marketing opportunities for them to take advantage of. But the key is for anyone who wants to own their future and get the benefit and access to some of the best deals that there are in the music marketplace, that's Merlin. Great. And I've read that Merlin's approach, and I'm quoting, has enabled its membership to grow to represent 15% of this huge global digital music market share. Tell us a bit more about the role of digital music licensing for independents today, what it means in terms of revenues for artists, and how does Merlin represent all independents when it comes to growing their business? There's a couple ways to answer that. Number one is, as I've mentioned, being at the forefront for creating more revenue opportunities. So step one is best-in-class deals. That's going to drive more revenue to our members and then downstream to their to their labels or to their artists. Step two is creating access to more opportunities. That's when I talk about opportunities like YouTube Shorts, which is incremental revenue, or opportunities like Facebook Music Videos, which launched in the U.S. and Mexico, providing access to those opportunities to drive more revenue, to help grow the overall pie. So there's more value and more money coming into the ecosystem to help support and nurture artists in their their endeavors. Amazing. I remember reading that at one point over a billion, and that was shortly after it launched. So we're talking about billions that you guys are raising for rights owners. Yes, it's a lot, it's a lot of money and we take our responsibility quite seriously. You know, one of the ways that Merlin is is unique in the ecosystem is we're in fact owned by our membership. We're a collective management organization. And that means we also operate just like a not-for-profit. And so for us, the key is simply we need to take in enough money, which is our 1.5% admin fee, to cover our budget. And that's it. We need to cover our budget to provide the services we do. And after that, all that we focus on as a team is how much are we driving value to our members? How much are we driving monies to our members and creating their ability to stay independent. And that's why I actually view the role of Merlin quite broadly. Right? Is there areas in which Merlin can continue to create more access, foster greater opportunities, and articulate a proposition to both our members and to our partners that we can serve as a bridge or as this funnel to create and bring in more money into the ecosystem to support, support them. We've been reading about technological developments right up your street here that could help bring more value to the creative sectors, for example, NFTs and the metaverse. And I know Impala has set up a metaverse working group to look into new opportunities for the independent sector. From your perspective, what are some of the things worth exploring at the moment? What tips do you have for music companies working with such technologies And what role do you see for Merlin here? The Web3 space is, despite how much it's been spoken about for the last two years, still quite nascent. Personal level, I've spoken with at least a dozen companies across the team. We've probably spoken with a dozen more. Right now, there's a lot of people throwing around a lot of ideas. It's this incredible pace where someone really wants to create something new. 
right now, the way I view the space, it's a lot of digital merch and digital fan club. And it's a little bit messy. You know, a lot of the companies entering the space may not be around by the end of this year. So we're, we're absolutely looking for whether there's a role for Merlin. Right now, we get a lot of information from our members who are out there testing. For those who haven't yet, I would say find a few ideas that meet or uh, vibe with the ethos of your companies. I'm always a firm believer in doing something over nothing and go out, experiment, but also understand you're going to have to iterate and the level of investment of resources is going to increase in this space. So that's why it's good to just test a couple ideas right now with a few, few of your artists, a few of your labels to see what may work, not necessarily right now, but may work in the future. Truly fascinating times that we live in. Now, before we move to our customer final questions, are there any current or forthcoming projects that you'd like to share with us? Anything Merlin is working on and mm. that we haven't mentioned or perhaps some personal projects of your own? I would say right now, there's probably not a single project. We're planning our return to the office and what that looks like, not just you know over the coming months, but into the future. We have about five or six deals that are on the precipice of closing. And we're really excited. Nice, nice. Yeah. Very excited to offer those to our membership. Some, some are sort of dabbling between that line between Web 2 and Web 3. So I'm very excited about that. We just continue to grow the membership. I've made it a personal goal of mine to expand out into as many new countries as possible. We've added, oh gosh, almost 120 new members since I started with a wow. great deal of them coming from... Southeast Asia, from Africa, from Latin America. So I'm really excited about that and offering what Merlin, the value Merlin can bring around the world. And then just driving more value from our partnerships and looking at it bi-directionally, you know, looking at it from what our members need, but also articulating into the partners and finding commonality between what they're launching and what our members can do and just creating more of a value proposition in that space. What a positive strategy. Love it. So, Jeremy, for our popular quickfire questions, five questions in five minutes. Here we go. What are the three things that stand out for you in the past 12 months? At a Merlin level, let's do that. I touched on this before, just the ability to support the team and create new opportunities for everyone within our company to allow them to grow and develop. We continue to introduce new tools that create better process, better workflow, better communication, and seeing that evolve over the last two or 12 months, we talked 12 months, has been very exciting for me at a member level. Let's do a member level. Briefly mention this, but we, we entered into our partnership with Twitch in January. I'm really quite excited about that partnership. There's so much opportunity there, particularly for independents. I think particularly for Merlin members to really create some value in that space for, for their artists. And then, oh, let's go broader and talk. Let's talk about the music industry. What's the most pressing, just continued and sustained influx of capital into the music system, our ecosystem. It's the, it's the most talked about, but least understood story of the last 12 months. What are your priorities for the future? Number one is continue to offer not just more deals and more partnerships, but expanded partnerships 
to our membership to allow them to compete at the highest levels. Second, of course, is we want to continue being a global voice for the independent community. Merlin does not always speak loudly on the public stage. That's not always how we operate, but we are very much a strong voice behind the scenes with our partners, as well as in other areas to make sure that our membership and their needs is articulated at the highest levels. And then just grow the membership. You know, it's one of the things that brings us the most joy is to be able to offer what we do to new members and to see the value and the difference it can have for their companies and for their artists. And it really is the driving mantra of what we do at Merlin. What are you often heard saying? My favorite, which was actually from my old boss, you know, Facebook or now known as Meta, assume best intentions. This has never been more true than in the current climate that we live in. You know, you never know where someone else is coming from. You never know what's going on necessarily at the personal level, professional struggles. So if someone's a little snappy, if someone doesn't necessarily respond to you as quick as you want, assume best intentions until proven otherwise. And then the only constant in life is there's always change. The music industry has always stood at forefront of that change. And the last, you know, 10 years has proven that it's only going to continue. Nothing's slowing it down. We just need to continue to build our organizations and our approach to adapt to change as opposed to allowing change to you know, impede us or stop us from having success in the way we want to. What's your one piece of advice to someone considering a career in music? One of the pieces of advice I give is the only barrier to entry is your imagination. And I'm going to share just a quick story about what this means. There was a woman who was friends with my mom's next door neighbor who really wanted to get into music. And so I set up a call with her. And the first question I ask is, you know, what do you currently do? And it turned out she works in the oil and gas business. She sits on the desk, kind of helping manage commodity trades. It's about as far away from music you could get. And so my next question was, why do you want to get into music? And she talked about how she, she used to be a musician younger, and she feels this kinship with, with artists and to support them. And then I asked my third question, well, what have you done so far to get into the music space? And this is where it really speaks to that imagination. She took classes at a music school at night. She started managing a friend's band for free. She started writing album reviews with friends of hers. And this goes back to something I mentioned earlier, which is it's sometimes better to do something than nothing. And here was a woman who took ownership and, you know, started doing something. And in fact, uh, I will tell you now about a year and a half later, after I spoke with her, she now has a job in the music industry because she really applied herself and she didn't wait for someone to give her permission. She just started doing uh, something and she had imagination to envision that career and she got it. Well, confirming the love of music that this world lives on, what's on your playlist at the moment? At the risk of trying not to offend any of my members because I have a broad (laughs) taste in music, (laughs) but I will say I have a couple from my youth. I just saw on Instagram, in fact, that the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs have a new album coming out. I have not heard it yet, but I'm very excited for that. They were a big part of my youth. And then otherwise, I, uh, I did sneak a peek at a playlist before this. 
And I saw a couple of things that stood out on my playlist. Uh, a lot of Turkish psychedelic folk from the 70s. I highly recommend it. I'm a huge fan. Of, it blends a lot of different genres. And then there was uh, Blood Orange, Joanna Newsom, Snail Mail, and Leon Bridges were some of the top hits I saw on my playlist this morning. So all great stuff that I've been rediscovering my love for the last couple of weeks. Jeremy, it has been a thorough delight having you on the show to discuss the importance of independence to the total global music space, emphasizing that independence should never mean second best and never will. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun.